21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Wise Digital Marketing was the 10th the business I've started since 2006. There was one big change. Uh, we started the business about eight or nine months before COVID hit. And I was thinking all along, you know, I'll, I'll run the business from home with a couple key people that I recruited and, you know, brought back from some companies that I had started in the past. And I kept thinking, oh, maybe we'll go like six months or a year and then I'll go find an office and I'll start building out, you know, the company like I've done in the past. And, you know, COVID hit less than a year in. And it really changed for the better, the direction of the business um, in such a positive way that, you know, it's, it's like, how can you be thankful for a global pandemic? But I really am thankful that that happened less than a year into the business. I think it helped in two ways. One, it helped show the rest of the world something that people in, you know, a digital, a digital focused business model had already seen, which is you can do business from anywhere. Um, you don't have to be in a stuffy office that costs a boatload of money and forces people to come in and have, you know, this daily routine that, you know, isn't quite necessary in a lot of business models. And two, it saved us a boatload of money because, you know, instead of having like the rent and the groceries and the and the cleaning services and all of these you know additional IT services and all this security and protection and blah 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 you know we got to put that into salaries and put it into going out and finding the best talent around the globe and because I think we were already sort of thinking that way um, you know we were able to move a lot faster because we you know the timing is interesting we didn't have an office lease. We didn't have to deal with all that stuff. The spouses of the spouses and partners of all of our employees did, and, and you know their their lives were disrupted. Our lives were not. So it it was an interesting time to start a business. So their time was disrupted. Was there any change in your communication? Was there any change in your flexibility regarding their new situation because of the COVID? Yeah, I think because of COVID and because of, you know, this model that we were moving into where now we knew we weren't going to get an office. Um, two big things changed, actually. One, uh, we created a, a very lengthy, like 40 page company communications document. So that outlined how we communicate within the company uh, and externally. Um, you know, we moved completely off email internally and over to Slack or over to huddles and short meetings and things like that. We're a pretty asynchronous culture. So we prefer, you know, that kind of communication over getting in, into meetings, which are generally unnecessary and, you know, waste a lot of company time and money. Um, with with clients, uh, for sure, you know, I, I think the COVID impact was really apparent when, 
clients started becoming more and more comfortable being on video calls and and not having to be in person we don't really serve local businesses uh like like we used to 10 years ago now our, our clientele is global um and you know it, COVID made that a lot easier because it trained all these people who were in our case in some pretty stodgy industries we serve a lot of law firms and accounting firms and insurance companies and things like that where you know they just weren't used to that before but today they are and and that was a really uh valuable change how do you make money what is your business model yeah absolutely we're a full service digital marketing agency so we offer about 12 different services across all digital disciplines you know from websites and everything that's involved in a website digital strategy um ppc uh you know paid social blogging seo um directory management all you know all sorts of stuff to help businesses get either leads or or sales online about um a third of our clients are professional service clients so like you know the law firms and accounting firms and stuff like that um a third of our clients are home services companies plumbing hvac roofing that type of stuff and then another third are like saas companies and e-commerce and things like that and then um we offer about a half dozen software platforms as well to help businesses you know get the most out of that service and understand the data behind it uh, including our own website platform we began building that in 2019 it's called nest uh we have a coexistence agreement on the trademark with google um so so that's a really big investment of ours what specific qualities or let, let's say indicators do you look for in a in a startup before deciding to invest how do you assess the the potential of a company especially in sectors you might not be directly involved in until today so for example whiskey is a new one yeah yeah i like um a consumable product or a recurring product that's really important to me uh generally speaking i like a b2b product uh with a with a high customer value or a high customer mrr um i you know a high customer value if it's over 10,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 on an annual um it's really easy to go out and figure out the marketing in an affordable way so that you're making money you know on every sale um cuz if we can figure out how to acquire a customer for 500 bucks or even if it's $2000 with a commission on top of it but you know you're going to make 40 or 50 grand you know it's you, you can basically write your own ticket um on the consumer product side that's a little bit more fickle um you know it's it it's a hard um thing to to develop a brand um you know jump into an existing industry you know make a big splash and stick with it for 10 years and and that's you know that's what that requires whereas local professional services i mean you can get in really quickly and and do something pretty uh material within 2 or 3 years but you know in the end i, I think any business comes down to figuring out you know your customer acquisition cost or how you're going to acquire customers and your sales model your marketing model and your your model for scaling what you do
how do you balance giving advice and letting the company's leaders decide on their own? When it comes to strategy, well, internally and externally are different. So let me focus on internally for a second. I think um, preparing your managers, training your managers, providing them with enough autonomy to make decisions and understanding they're going to fail sometimes is really, really important. You'll never get out of the weeds if you don't do that. Uh, in my agency, in fact, I'm I'm in a CEO mastermind group with about maybe eight other agency owners. And, and I asked them on a call recently, I asked everyone on the call to tell me what percentage of their time, of their time monthly or annually goes into client work. And generally speaking, I think the consensus was about 20 to 30%. Of, of, of that that CEO's time is going into their client's work and businesses. Um, for me, it's less than 5%. And I was the outlier. Uh, and I designed the business that way on day one. I knew this business wouldn't grow into the business I wanted to be if I was stuck working on my client's businesses. Now that isn't to say I'll, I will never work on a client's business, but I would rather meet with The, the head strategist of that department or that account manager or the head of the SEO department or design department to talk about uh, my ideas with them and then let them present those to the clients so they came back as the authority figure, not me. I don't want to be stuck, you know, working on that stuff. I'm not for sale also. Like, I make enough money where, you know, you, you couldn't offer me an hourly rate that would interest me to work on your business. I, I just I've thought about it before. It, would it be a thousand bucks an hour? I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I don't I have too much other stuff going on. Now, with regards to you know, working with clients, I kind of take the same approach. I want a client to understand how to find the answer on their own. I want them to understand logic and the theory for how to make a decision from a strategic direction on marketing with regards to, you know, a, maybe a new market they're entering or a competitor they're going after. And I want to teach them the way I teach the strategists at, at our company. Um, and that served me really well because one, it shows them that I know what the hell I'm talking about. And two, they're going to, when, when they, when they meet with me and they, you know, they ask for my time, which I don't give out very freely. Um, They're not going to come back to the well because I taught the man to fish. I didn't give him a fish. By the way, that 5%. Of the time where I do meet with the owners, it's because I really like them. They're and oftentimes they're friends, and I want to spend time with my friends. That's how I, that's what like how I want to spend my days. That's how I want to spend my life. Um, I I really enjoy conversations with business owners. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. I probably have spoken at length with five thousand business owners over the last ten years. And my former software company that we sold had 50,000 small business clients. And so, you know, when I moved into a model where I was going to speak with less, which is still a lot, 5,000 business owners over 10 years, 
I, I wanted to have deeper conversations with them to understand, you know, who they are, why they're doing what they're doing, what their dreams are, what keeps them up at night, all those types of things, like what their goals are and how, how long they want it to take to get there. But, you know, I, I, again, I really like those conversations. I just don't want to have those conversations with people that a don't appreciate my time and B don't go out uh, and try and learn on their own because, you know, I don't want to, you know, be the agency that's spending half of their time trying to teach and reteach and reteach the client and half of the time doing the work. We get so many business owners in a, in a, in the small business arena of digital marketing that, you know, don't appreciate this stuff. Don't want to learn it. Don't take any, don't have any attempt at all to learn it. And those are the most taxing people on an agency. And if they're not going to, you know, try and learn on their own, some of this stuff and respect our authority, I have no interest in talking to them. And when you say I want to spend time with my friends and when you say I wanted to have deeper conversations with them, can you go into your daily routine and your mindset? That's also a topic that we discuss very often. So do you have any specific uh, mindset? Are you a positive person? What kind of mindset do you have and what kind of daily routine to have that kind of uh, time structure, time management? I'm uh, absolutely uh, a glasses half full kind of guy. I'm I'm a, I'm probably one of the more positive people I've ever met. I've heard that a lot. Um, you know, I, I wake up every day at three thirty because my mind is racing, and I'm really excited to start the day. I absolutely love what I do. I'm lucky. Not a lot of people have that. You know, Viktor Frankl said it best. The the man who knows exactly what he wants out of life and is busy getting it. That's that, that, that feels like me every day. And, and I'm lucky. I don't, I don't have to sleep very much. I, I probably sleep five hours a night and um, I, I'm ready to go, you know, by four or five in the morning. So by the time on the West coast here in California, when, you know, most of my team is up, of course I've uh, employees now in 14 states across the U.S. and then uh, seven or eight international people as well in lots of different time zones. So if I want to work, I can probably find somebody working on my team right now. Um, but, you know, it's the, the positive mindset is, is, is really valuable as an entrepreneur. Uh, there's so many times where you're, you're, you're self-doubting yourself. And I think when I was a younger entrepreneur, the, the imposter syndrome, you know, is, is real. It's a real thing. That's why it's defined. And, and um, you know, that the, the grit, the work ethic, the energy, plus, you know, po a positive attitude, I think is really can get you through any, any of that, you know, any of that sort of hard times and, and failures and, and all that type of stuff. I started writing for Forbes and then, you know, that's, that's kind of led into the book that I'm writing um, is I, I wanted to, having had a, a great in-depth conversation with 5,000 business owners, I really learned a lot about what makes me tick 
as an entrepreneur because I've talked to so many people where it's sort of mirrored back to you. And you know, what, what makes others tick, you know, and, and everybody's got a different path in life that could be, you know, they, they really want to create a lot of great wealth or they want to have a, a lot of great, like sort of family time and balance in their life, or they want to travel and the freedom. And, and so like every business owner's desire for starting a business is different. In the end, most business owners get to a place where they can't sleep at night at some period of time in starting their first business. And, you know, I, I think for me, one of the things that I realized over time was um, revenue solves a lot of problems. My dad always said it, he owned an accounting firm and he used to tell me that all the time. Well, you got to fix everything else in the business as well so that you're not, you know, losing it as fast as you're bringing it in. And, you know, the discipline that I've always, you know, understood and, and you know, excelled at and really crafted as, as my, you know, as what I'm great at is, is the sales piece. So bringing in new revenue has never been a problem, but, um, the way I brought it in has changed over time. And when I first started, um, light post digital, which was my first marketing agency and probably my fifth or sixth company at the time, um, I started going about bringing in business the way everybody thinks business needs to be brought in when they when they start a business which is go out and start cold calling and bringing in those first couple clients and then asking for referrals and you know over time i realized gosh this is really stupid i own a marketing agency we're really good at marketing we we're, we're bringing on clients very easily we've got great case studies we've got all this you know, business coming in and, you know, for our clients and like, why aren't we doing more of this for ourselves? Why am I still going out and doing breakfast groups and networking and going to events and trade shows and passing on business cards and wasting my freaking time? It, it's, you know, COVID also was a moment of realization for that too. Um, when we started Wise Digital, so I, I started a marketing agency. We franchised it nationwide. I had 12 franchise sales rep who went out and did exactly what I built as the blueprint for what a franchisee should do. And I did that as a co-founder and president of the company. I thought, this is great. We got 700 clients in a matter of five or six years, and we franchised into all these different states and markets. But they were a mess. They were all out there, you know, sort of like wild cards, saying different things, making promises that no one could fulfill, let alone a marketing partner at your budget. And, you know, when I when I decided to sell that business and then later on go start Wise Digital, I said, I'm going to do this differently. On day one, Wise Digital is going to be a client of Wise Digital. And so we went out and signed the biggest SOW that the agency had in year one. And then we doubled it the next year and doubled it the year after. And now, you know, we're pretty unstoppable uh, when it comes to digital. And that's allowed us to do some pretty great things. And looking at the data over time, what, it's, what, what I've come to realize is referrals are really not the answer. Referrals bring you a couple things that you don't want in a business. One, you don't have any predictability or control over the amount of business that is coming in on a monthly or annual basis from referrals. And if a bad 
occurrence happens, like the worst pandemic we've seen in 100 years, all of the businesses that you were concerned about referring you business are concerned about their own business. They don't give a shit what you need for your business right now. They want, you know, they want to focus on keeping their lights on, not sending you, you know, your next referral. Uh, also, I think what business owners forget sometimes is, or just straight out don't know, is that there are such better prospective clients out there for their business or prospective customers. The personas that you don't know about, you'll never meet because you're worried about the accounting firm that's doing $2 million a year referring you another accounting firm that's also doing $2 million a year. The referrals that you get are like referrals. There are whole different businesses and completely different size businesses out there that will find you if you're really good at marketing and they will be your best clients. Our three best clients came to us through digital marketing. We're in San Diego, California. They exist in um, Australia, Las Vegas, and Denver. In markets we don't have a presence in, we don't have, now we do, but we didn't then full-time people in. Those clients uh, pay us on average five times more per month than the rest of the clients. And if we were worried about referrals, we would have never found a business like that. I knew when I started WISE, I wanted to grow very fast. The thing that I was focused on was I wanted to hit the Inc. 5000 fastest growing company list. We'll hit that this year, and now I want to be on it for five years, five years in a row. And that's, you know, that's what I'm focusing on now. But to be able to do that, I knew in year one and two, what we really needed to focus on was putting in all the processes that we needed to have in place to deploy the work and get the work done for clients in a predictable manner, in a way that was well time tracked and in a profitable way, you know, all those things. And, and it, you know, we, we would not have done that if it hadn't been for the, the first couple of failures. I needed to fail in the first business. I needed to see what the, the business that we merged into was doing right and wrong. I needed to meet a couple more key people. Um, I needed to commit to uh, having a pretty significant payroll on day run. Um, you know, now to do what we're doing requires a $2 million a year payroll. And I can see how hard it was to try and do it before that, you know, and try and do it on a, you know, $400,000 payroll. It just doesn't work. You need, you need a lot more talent um, and you need really smart people leading departments. And, you know, I'm lucky now that I've met those smart people and most of them have been promoted from within the agency. We've found maybe one person from outside the agency so far. Um, but, you know, putting, putting those people in place was really important as we grew. And, and now, now that we have that foundation, we can keep the growth going. Um, since COVID, we've had a 14.5% quarterly growth for 13 straight quarters, um, about 65% growth a year now for, you know, four or five years. Uh, we, we expect we'll continue that for the next five years, which, you know, the numbers get a lot bigger. Um, 
And, you know, putting all that stuff in place in the beginning was really important. But I think the most important thing was putting great culture in place. You, you, can, you can fix processes and like every time the business adds a couple more people, it's complexity changes. Every time it doubles in size, it, it looks like a completely new business. Where we were at four people, it's a completely different company and eight people. And then at 16 people, again, a completely different company. You know, what, what's consistent is the owl and, and wise, but that's, you know, that's branding. And, and, and I think certainly culture. And if, if we hadn't established, you know, the values of, of transparency and honesty and, and, you know, continual learning and those types of things, uh, I don't think we'd be where we are today. And regarding those culture and, and values, did you outsource the process or you, you did the processes in-house? Do you believe in coaching, in training, in mentorship? Are you doing that alone? Do you have a team for that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, as far as coming up with the blueprint and planning of culture, uh, I'm lucky in that I have a couple people on the team that I've, that have we've worked together through three of my past companies or more. Um, and so one of them is, is I've, I've a wonderful operations manager who's also the head of my SEO department and copy department. Um, and he and I are really, really nerd out on process and culture and all that stuff. So we, we've had really a ball of a time putting together our thoughts and our ideas. And a lot of that stems from the, the books that we read. Um, I bought a, I, I set up a shared Audible account for the management team. And I bought the 40 or 50 top business books I've ever read. And the ones that have really made an impact on me, I bought those for the company and gave everybody my login. And so we have sort of like a book club going with different people and, you know, different topics in the, in the team and stuff. And then um, my, my partner, Zach, who I met as part of a merger, he and I saw really eye to eye on the company that we wanted to build, the products we wanted to create, and the clientele we wanted to serve. And we, we were so lucky to be so aligned there. I mean, like, if you could say 100% alignment, I think we might have that. Um, maybe I want to grow faster than he can handle, but uh, we, we, we can figure that stuff out along the way. As far as, like, coaching and, and mentorship, um, I've certainly brought in, you know, the, the advice of, of – of good counsel at, at certain points, but I, I've done that a lot in my past businesses. So I, I haven't had to hire, you know, those types of people in this business. I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in, in, in that I've failed at a lot of stuff and I've succeeded at a couple things, uh, you know, so, so I don't have to worry too much about making all the same mistakes that I've made before. I've already made enough. couple of things happening that I'm really excited about. I mean, Wise Digital is is my baby, will be my baby for the next 10 years. I'm, I'm so excited about uh, the, the ability to help a lot of different types of businesses. And the swath of industries and countries we serve is, you know, is, is, is a pretty big footprint now, about 30 or 40 different industries. Uh, we've got clients in four English-speaking countries. Um, and, you know, I don't 
that's that's not going to slow down. That's that's moving forward. And there's some other stuff that I'm doing that I'm pretty excited about. I'm coming out with a book next year. Um, it's it you know it's on the topic of marketing and and I think marketing specific to small and mid-sized businesses, but it it absolutely has principles that can apply to anyone. It it talks a lot about that shift for me from you know focusing on the old school method of going out and trying to get referrals and not being in control and not being able to sleep at night to this sort of appropriate strategy especially for today to focus on digital marketing techniques and tools and strategies to you know fill my calendar for me um last week i had 42 meetings on my calendar i didn't make one cold call to book any of those meetings they they come directly off the website to book me and um that that's been a, a really neat shift um I'm also starting a whiskey brand next year and I'm I'm super excited about that. It's with my best friend. His name is Pat too. And um and so the the name will be appropriate when we announce what that is next year and uh we're both Irish American guys, so it's going to be produced in Dublin. We're just super thrilled about, you know, what's going on there. Um there's lots more that I'm doing. If if, you know, anybody or any of your listeners wants to learn more or um you know get a heads up on what's coming out next the book and the whiskey and all that stuff probably the easiest way is just get on our our email list if you go to wisedigitalpartners.com and then you know at the bottom of the the footer just put your email in there and we give lots of great strategies tips and tricks uh of marketing strategies that are working for our clients away in that newsletter our our opinion is let's give it away we're going to go out and find more 21st century entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast. A gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik. connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts join our exclusive community elevate your perspective and embark on the path to success